In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the And everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles on TojiNet. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. And this phone thing is unbelievable. New England's own Van Helsing. With me, my co-host, psychic investigator for the New England Ghost Project, the Queen of Pain, Maureen Wood. Hey, how you doing? Is it on? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? What the heck all is that static? You know, I really getting tired of this paranormal crap. You know that? I don't know. I've never had any problem with my phone, like, in uh, over years, a couple of years. That's weird. Right. And welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles Live on Toji Dad, Pyrex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. Uh, today we've got a cool show, but you know what? We need to call back in. <laughs> Go ahead. You know what's really crazy is... I don't know if you know it or not, but and I, and in fact, I know you've done this before. Did you hear about those deaths in the sweat lodge? Yes, I did. What the hell? I mean, this goes to show you that all this dippy dippy new age crap is, I don't know. Just First gotta, of all, there's danger in everything you do. You could be walking across the street and get hit by a bus. Hello, so. this is supposed to be therapy. You're not supposed to die in therapy. Yeah, well, things happen. Accidents happen. People don't do, know how, what they're doing. They want to get into something, or they, they're not really... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This, this was a first-class resort uh, owned by the guy who had the cigarette. If you, with the cigarette, this wouldn't have happened. Things happen. Yeah. Accidents happen, you know? I, I really don't know. Um, just... Static's pretty bad, Ashley's saying. I think we need to call up. Hang up and call back. Okay, why don't we do that? So... Sorry, guys. We'll you know right what, back. Ashley? If you can put on a uh, infomercial right now, we will call back. You get her. Okay. So if you put on a nice infomercial, I will call right back in, and maybe we can ditch the static stuff. Yeah, that's cool. All right, we'll be right back after the following message. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal. The Parrax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to 
Okay, well, looks like we're dealing with a little static problems there. I don't know what that was all about. But anyways, uh, that's my little suggestion about the sweat lodge thing. Two people dead, a whole bunch of people wounded. So, I mean, I don't know. Uh, we were talking on Ghost Chronicle International the other night that uh, I believe that they ought to certify uh, mediums and psychics. So I, I think that a lot of these places that uh, do this new age stuff should be certified as well. I mean, uh, Especially if you're involving something as, you know, people can get dehydrated, can get sick. I mean, it's not like you're sitting there meditating necessarily. I mean, you're, um, if anybody's ever gone through, oh, boy, the phones aren't good. Uh, if anybody has gone through having an experience like entering a sweat lodge, um, it can be very serious. You know, I mean, you takes your breath away, your difficulty in breathing. It's also a good experience, but in the right hands, in the capable hands. So, anyways, we've uh, delayed this show long enough. Why don't we bring on our guests? We are very proud to bring on Mr. Raymond Buckland. Raymond, are you there? Yes, I am. Good evening. Hey, Good Raymond. Evening. Well, hey. we have terrible static. I have no clue what this is all about. No, it's actually gone away now. Well, it comes and goes. Comes and goes. Does it really? <laughs> uh, for those who don't know Raymond, he is an author. He has written recently written a book called The Wiser Field Guide to Ghosts. Is that correct? That is it. Yes, indeed. That's the most, most recent one. Apparitions, spirits, spectral lights, and other hauntings of history and legend. That's a mouthful. Yeah, I'll say. Now, what other books have you written? Uh, yeah. Well, I've written about 60 books altogether. Um, let's see, uh, three encyclopedias, one called The Spirit Book, uh, Encyclopedia of Clairvoyance, Channeling, and Spirit Communications, uh, one called the Fortune Telling Book, Encyclopedia of Divination and Soothsaying. One called the Witchcraft Book on Wicca and, and Paganism. Uh, let's see, dozens of others. Um, Buckton's Complete Book of Witchcraft. Buckton's, Unbelievable. Buckton's Book of Spirit Communications. Uh, uh, signs, Symbols and Omens. Um, okay, Mr. Buckland, looks like you've written everything about everything in the paranormal. Well, I've I've touched on it probably. So, how do we get from uh, you know what you were doing when you were growing up to uh, the spirit world, which is and well, actually, it was a actually it was a very short step because when I was about about ten years old, I, I had an uncle, my father's brother, who was a spiritualist. And at that age, I was an avid reader. I, I read everything I could lay my hands on. And one day, my uncle loaned me a book on spiritualism. And I devoured it. I went back to see what else he had. And I very quickly read all the books he had. And from there, I went down to the local public library. And I slowly worked my way along the shelves from spiritualism into ghosts and ESP and magic and witchcraft and voodoo and, and the whole bit. And that sort of started the the whole thing. Um, now, are you writing it in a perspective of? Um, I haven't had the opportunity to read any. Oh, of it's right here. Oh, well, thanks, Ron. Oh. Sorry about that. Um, but are you writing it in a perspective of your experiences, or is it something where you're interviewing people? No, it, it it's basically about what are ghosts uh, and the records of ghosts and ghost occurrences and and so on. I have had experience. Uh, when I was, let's see, back in the 1970s, I lived in New Hampshire, and I had an old house built in 1820, and that was, was haunted. It had a, at least three ghosts in it. 
Uh, there was one especially that used to make itself known very well. Uh, we would sit in, the, my wife and I would be sitting in the living room and we would hear these footsteps walking across in the bedroom overhead and many times we would hear this. It sounded as though there was somebody with big boots on walking backwards and forwards. One time I remember the, 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 the footsteps went across the room and then came down the stairs and we both, my wife and I, looked towards the door to see who was coming out and nobody appeared, so I got up and went over, and there was nobody on the stairs. I went up, there was nobody in the bedroom. Uh, that was one type, what you would call an auditory ghost, a ghost who is heard rather than seen. Right. Mm -hmm. you, you do all the classes of the ghost in the book, which is interesting. Yes, yeah, I, I, I tried to, when I was writing the book, I, I wasn't sure the best way to present it, so I broke it down into, into different sorts, ancestral ghosts, animal ghosts, apparitions, biblical ghosts, celebrity ghosts, and so on and so forth. Uh, that, that seemed to be the easiest way to go about it. Um, uh, let's see, a, se a second ghost we had at the house in New Hampshire, uh, one time we had my, my wife's grandmother was staying with us, and she was staying up in that that bedroom. Uh, we didn't tell her that it was the haunted bedroom, of course, but <laughs> uh, but she was staying there. And the next morning she came down and she said, you know, a funny thing happened last night. And we said, oh, what was that? She said, well, in the middle of the night I woke up and there was this woman standing at the foot of the bed. She, she was dressed all in blue and she was looking at me and she was sort of glowing. I, I could see her quite clearly. And she looked at me for a long time, and then she turned around, and she just sort of faded away. So that was the second one. But the third one was, was most interesting to me. Uh, I was sitting in, in my study one day, and it was, as I say, an old house built 1820. But it had had a, a screened-in porch put across the front of it. And one end of the porch, there was a screen door, which was very squeaky as it happens. And I was sitting in my study, and I heard this screen door squeak open, and I looked up, and I saw this man come onto the porch and walk across towards the front door. So I got up, and I, I went across to the front door to meet him, and I expected to hear the bell ring, but it didn't. I opened the door, and there was nobody there. And I looked out. There was nobody on the porch. There had been no sound of the door squeaking again. There was nobody in the long driveway that I, I could see from there. Nobody at all. Now, uh you grew up within the, as you mentioned, in the uh, spiritualist church. Sure. Uh, so this, uh, I, I, it doesn't frighten you at all. Is what I'm trying. To say. No, not at all. Um, I guess I, I've always been curious about, well, ju about just about anything. But I think um, people are frightened by things that they don't know, that they don't understand. And I think that the more we look into things, the more we examine them, we all, the more we find out what might be the cause, the less frightened we, we're going to be. And certainly this is the way I felt. This was not frightening. It was intriguing. It was exciting. It was something I wanted to know more about. Right. So, I mean, you, this was just the norm to you all your life, really. Really, I guess so, yes. And I, I noticed in your book that you actually uh, speak at the uh, Lily... Uh, Lilydale. 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 Yes. Which, I, which I think is kind of cool, you know I mean? Because really that, if you were to pick a place uh, associated with the spiritual movement, it's got to be Lilydale. I mean, we have places in Massachusetts that are uh, associated uh, prominently with it, but I think Lilydale is like... 
Lily Dale is the oldest and largest spiritualist community. The, yeah, there, there are plenty around the, the country, several in, in Massachusetts, I believe. Um, Camp Chesterfield in Indiana, uh, there's one in San Diego. But Lily Dale is, I guess, the, the main one. Uh, was visited uh, back in the 1800s, early 1900s by people like Arthur Conan Doyle and Mae West, even people like that. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. When you were talking about the spirits in your house, the first one you had said was one that you heard and right. not really had seen, correct? Right. Um, and it was like sounding like the boots and so forth. And then uh, someone, was that in your home that someone actually had saw that a spirit that was the blue image? Right, yes. Um, how do you know that it wasn't the same spirit? It might well have been. Um, I'm just curious. I'm just yeah, yeah you, you don't know. Um, my feeling was that it wasn't, if only because the, the boots sounded so heavy and clunky. And, mm -hmm. and my wife's grandmother described this, this lady who stood there looking at her. I got the impression that she was sort of more delicate and feminine, that she wouldn't wear big boots. Right. But, I mean, it, it, it's possible. Yes, it's quite possible. And it's certainly possible that it was the man that I saw come onto the porch and walk across. Mm -hmm. He might have been the Miss, Mr. Boots. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. You... Boots. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's too much. No, I, I know that that uh, with the book, I mean, they always send a, a bunch of questions that um, you like to get asked, I guess. Oh, yes? Yeah? Oh. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean... A lot of them are just like the uh, uh, the standard questions, but there, there are a couple of ones I thought were interesting. Like, how many countries have ghosts? Wouldn't all countries have ghosts? Absolutely, just about every country around the world has got their own particular types of ghosts. Uh, you know, um, different different names. Um, Ifrits uh, found found in Arabia or Persian. Uh, Kachinas, of course, Native American. Um, just about every country has their own particular ghosts. Some of them are, are basically the same type, but just different names because of different countries, different countries' um, right. language, of course. Now, what about, um, you know, any animal? I know that many people, when we go out and we do investigations, or we have those ghost 101s where people come and join us, yes. a lot of the questions they ask, and one of them is very important, um, is are, go are there animal ghosts? Oh, certainly, yes. I mean, I mean, why why wouldn't there be? I mean, ghosts are, are basically the the spirits of of the dead, and uh, I believe that that animals have have spirits just as as much as anybody any any well, living what? living thing has has. Well, in that case, then plants have ghosts. Yes, why not? I I would think that. Um, if we think in terms of the spirit world as being the, being the afterlife, now whether you want to label it heaven, spirit world, um, what, summer land, what, whatever you want to call it, it is the life after death. Well, could you imagine such a place without plants or trees, without animals, without birds singing? Um, I, I couldn't. You know what's really funny uh, is that uh, I've had a couple near-death Experiences and uh -huh. one of them, uh, I actually swore I was in a, a garden because I heard birds and so forth. Yes. I mean, so in, in that case, are they ghosts? Though I mean, really, or is it? I, I don't know. I, I really. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's what it. Well, okay. What what is a ghost? A ghost is, is um, a spirit who is is visible or, or audible, um, 
um, basically all ghosts are spirits, but not all spirits are ghosts. In other words, when we die, we our, our spirits go to the, the afterlife. Some of us, Hopefully. For, for whatever reason, uh, either won't accept that we're dead or because of some traumatic uh, occurrence or whatever, um, just hang around, uh, refuse to accept that, that, that we're dead. And these are, are what will be termed ghosts because hanging around they appear or they are heard to the living. Mm -hmm. uh, but of course, not all spirits do that. So all ghosts are spirits, but as I say, not all spirits are ghosts. Very good. Now, as far as, um, what is your belief as far as if someone says that they have a spirit or a ghost rather well, than haunting them? We could bring up Dr. McDougall. Oh, though. dear God. I was hoping. That's why I'm trying to keep going so that you wouldn't bring up Dr. McDougall. <laughs> who is Dr. McDougall? All right. Go oh, ahead. Oh, you, you ask. Who is Dr. McDougall? Oh, God. All right. You ask for it. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Raymond. <laughs> Dr. McDougall was a, uh, a uh, quack. No, he was not. <laughs> Dr. McDougall was actually a doctor from uh, Haverhill, Massachusetts. And he did, actually, I'm sure you know him, you just don't recall the name. And he did a, uh, a study on dying people. And oh, oh. Was he the guy who, who weighed the salt? 23 Very grams. good, Raymond. Yep, yep, I, I, I know of him. Yes, he, he set up a, a hospital bed on a large scale that was used for weighing cloths, I believe it was, and he found that the, the soul or the spirit weighed uh, four ounces, grams. was it? 23 grams. 23 grams, yes. Yes, and, and he also euthanized several dogs and found out they lost no weight when they died. So uh -huh. ergo, they had no spirit. Well, perhaps it was just such a small amount that he couldn't measure it on that particular thing. Interestingly enough, there was there's a, a recently a study done. Oh, I was reading about this, I think, on the internet a, a week or so back, um, with a a very um, detailed uh, weighing machine, which again showed that at the at death. Uh, somebody lost a certain amount of weight. I'm sorry, I can't remember the details of it, but, but there was a, a recent experiment done oh, very al good. along those lines. Yeah, I, I think it's fascinating. I mean, that's where the movie 23 Grams came from. Ah, okay, yes. Yeah, and uh, it, it's interesting, and of course, whoa. I don't know. Spirit. <laughs> Do you hear that on your end? Uh? Yeah. Oh, you do? Okay. I don't, don't have no clue with this. So if you say it's spirit, I agree with that. If you've written the 30 books, and who am I to challenge you? We've 60 books. We've, 60 books. <laughs> yeah. We've only got one puny book. I would say that Ron's <laughs> only half listening. <laughs> anyway, yeah, okay, now you have me lose my train of thought. Uh, I, I, was was just before I talked to McDoodle. All right. right. Oh, can you, what is your perspective, or what do you believe when it comes to uh, someone that comes maybe talks about having to clear the ghosts out of the home or the environment. What are your beliefs on that? Uh, well, first of all, I would ask them why they feel they need to. Mm -hmm. uh, many times, I don't think there is, is a need to. I, I've come across ghosts who are very happy. Uh, way back in the, I think it was the late 60s, very early 70s, I, I lived on Long Island, New York, and uh, I went to, to visit one or two so-called haunted houses at that time. And I had a very good friend, actually she was my, my secretary, who was a very good hypnotic subject. And I would 
uh, put her into a hypnotic trance and she would act as a medium and she would many times get in touch with the, the spirit that was there. And in this particular house, there was a young girl who was haunting the house. And uh, she was haunting the house because she had been so happy there. She Apparently, she hadn't lived there. She'd lived next door. But she wasn't happy with her family. And the people in this house had taken her in and had always shown great kindness to her. And uh, she had actually got married from that house. And she had known so much happiness in that house that she just wanted to, didn't want to leave even when she died. Mm-hmm. So that was why she was hanging around. So... There was really no need from the point of view of the people living in the house to get rid of her. The only need, I guess, from from my point of view and from many people's point of view, is that perhaps she should move on. I mean, we should all acknowledge the fact that that we have died when we do because presumably there's some sort of of great plan for us and we we should move on. Um, I think a lot of people worry that perhaps the ghosts can harm them, but they can't. There's no recorded instance of anybody actually being harmed by a ghost. Bell Witch? Hmm? Bell Witch? I have to, I well, have to bell, go on that and kind yeah. of disagree, because it depends who you're... I mean, not, you know, maybe you haven't... There has been a, I don't know, recorded in certain ones, but rather than like the Bell Witch, but um, we have definitely... Seen some instances uh, that we where they attempt to harm you. Anyway. Attempt to harm you, right? Yes, yeah. I, I, I think it's more frightening them than harming. I think the the just about the only harming comes from something like a poltergeist, which is not really a ghost per se, but but more uh, energy, um, raw energy, which causes things to fly about. And certainly, people have been been struck by things which are flying around. Right, right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just take this wild guess that you guys that you don't believe in demons. No, um, I don't. Um, I think that, um, but I don't believe in evil per se. I don't think that anybody is truly evil. Okay. Uh, I think everybody has some sort of redeeming quality. I mean, if you take uh, let's have a look at a couple of people, Hitler, for instance. Yeah, uh, there you go. Okay, was was such a terrible man, and yet. He was was so fond of children, very very kind to children. Um, had a, a, a very good side. He was evil, if you like, in the sense of his his approach to to Judaism and 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 to uh, becoming the the leader of the world. But but he also had a very very good side. Um, Saddam Hussein, uh, a similar sort of thing. He was so fond of his daughters and his sons to, to a large extent also, so very, very kind to them, uh, so loving towards them. So I, I think that everybody has some sort of redeeming quality. Now, uh, we just had, had a question in the chat room, by the way. If anybody wants to uh, add a question for our guest, uh, they can go into the Net or the Parax chat room. But uh, somebody asked about Emily's Bridge, where people have got scratched, and and actually we have heard several several cases uh, uh-huh. of people being scratched. Now, uh, isn't that an attempt to harm someone physically? Uh, yeah, I guess on the face of it, yes. Um, you would have to look at every individual case. I think um, were they scratched? Were they frightened to the point where they they banged up against 
something rubbed up of something. I, I, I don't know. It's possible that, that they were. Again, could it be psychological? I mean, much as with these um, these people who, like the girl recently who was, was bleeding, uh, crying blood from, from her eyes, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, that sort of thing. I mean, many times it is a psychological thing rather than an right, actual absolutely. physical thing. Um, so you would have to examine every individual case, I think. So, right. Raymond, I'm going to ask you, uh, I, I, like I said, I, I know you've grown up with the spiritualist church, and so therefore you're very familiar with ghosts, but have you ever done any actually investigating, uh, will you try to attempt to get scientific evidence? Of- Not in any depth, no, I haven't. Um, happily, I've, I've always been in a sort of position where there was somebody else who was uh, well versed in that side of it, who could um, who could take charge of that side of things. So, no, quite honestly, I haven't. Okay. And uh, I detect a slight a- uh, accent. Uh, where are you from originally? From London. Ah, I did. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you mention that because I I actually got a package in the mail from London today. Oh yes. I did. So <laughs> it, it wasn't that apropos. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> but uh, we. You are in the States now, I assume. Oh, yes. Yeah, I've been here since 1962, actually. Right. The other question that I wanted to ask you on on the the book that you've written now, you've written several books, and I noticed there's there's one thing about uh, uh, Wicker in here. Right. Okay. Now you've written a complete guide of uh, witchcraft as well? Right, yes. So do you distinguish the difference between witchcraft and Wicker? Uh, yeah, well, now that's kind of a long story. Um, yes, I I was the person who introduced Wicca to this country originally back in the in the sixties. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, the man who who sort of uh, brought about the renaissance of, of of witchcraft was was the late Dr. Gerald Gardner. Uh, he wrote a couple of books in 1954, 1959, and uh, brought about the big interest in it as as he presented it as a, a, a pagan religion dating from, from pre-Christian times. Um, he found that there were a lot of uh, covens still in existence across Europe, but he could find nothing actually here in this country. And he very much wanted to get something started in this country, people who were following his, his teachings um, and he asked me if I, I would introduce it here, which which I did. I, I went to Scotland and was initiated by his high priestess, and then came here and and started it here in nineteen beginning of nineteen sixty four. Um, now Gerald Gardner always spoke about and and in his books wrote about it as witchcraft and termed the people witches. And I did the same thing. I think there was were only a couple of places in his first book, Witchcraft Today, where he used the word Wicca, and that was sort of in passing. Now, over the years, uh, a lot of people interested in it said, you know, there's so much, there's so many misconceptions about witchcraft, so many people have the wrong idea. Why don't we change the name? Why don't we call ourselves something else? And this this was a valid point. I mean, I was spending most of my time trying to straighten misconceptions. I, I was writing, I, I was lecturing, I was doing all I could to, to straighten misconceptions. And my feeling was, much as Joe Gardner's had, had been, 
it doesn't really matter if you change your name. You can call yourself the, the tree huggers or whatever. How long before people say, oh, they call themselves tree huggers, but they're actually witches? You know, it, it wouldn't last long. So to my mind, it was mu made much more sense to try to educate people as to what witches really are and what witchcraft really is. But over the years, uh, the, the, the movement, if you like, gained in popularity, and it eventually broke down to where people regard, referred to the, the more sort of structured religious aspect of it as Wicca, and the, the spells and magic aspect as witchcraft. And finally, I, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. I, I pretty much went along with that. I mean, I've written a, a couple of books, one called Wicca for Life, another one called Wicca for One. So I, I've joined that aspect. But um, to me and to many people, the terms are really interchangeable. So it, it really depends who you're talking to as to which is the correct term. Right. I, I know that we have uh, friends in Salem, Massachusetts, who are witches, right. and yet they're not Wiccan. So right. I, that's why uh, I, I ask you that question, because they don't believe in the threefold law, and, uh, mm -hmm. and they don't believe in uh, what, do no harm? Is that what the... Yes. Yeah, they, they don't believe in the do no harm, but they also... Um, they believe in karma, though. They believe in karma, but they don't necessarily, I don't believe, have... Uh, the same beliefs when it comes to even, you know, the goddess and all that stuff. Yes. I think that's different. A lot of them, I mean, that they're only interested in, and this applies especially, it seems, to a lot of young people, just interested in, in doing magic and casting spells and so on. Mm -hmm. And my feeling is that if you're just doing magic, then why do you have to call yourself a witch? You're a magician. So why even use the term witch? Well, they believe that, uh, for instance, uh, that they're true to the craft, whereas the Wiccans are really not, because witchcraft existed prior to Wicca. Yeah, I, I think when people, I don't know if I can speak with um, for a lot of the, the witches that you know, a good friend of ours. I would I, love that. This would be a great debate. It would know, be. But I think that when they say, like, magicians, for instance, we met two magicians the other night. We um, did? We did. And... The, I think really what they're doing is it's the sleight of hand, too. You know? Well, yeah, again, again you, you, you've got this problem of misconceptions. A magician, right. magician in the sense of, of working what we would call magic, or magician in the sense of a stage conjurer. Correct. A prestidigitator. And I think if, you know, when you, you were referring to a while ago about, you know, changing names, mm. um, I think that many witches would probably have a problem, especially in the United States, Yes. To yes. change their name to, you know, magician because they would be viewed as just an entertainer, right. not someone who is, right. you know, right. well versed in the art, right. so to speak. And, and yet, the, the the argument that that um, Wicca isn't isn't that old. Uh, the word Wicca is actually you know, an old Anglo-Saxon word. Mm -hmm. you know, it goes way back, so that that isn't valid. Right. I mean, there's so many. For instance, right. in, in in the United States, if you a lot of people believe that a warlock is a male witch. Yes, yes. And which is, which is in, incorrect. Totally it's an old Scottish word from the from the word warloga, which means a, a truce breaker or deceiver. Yeah, breaker. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's how uh, misconception. I mean, a lot of, uh, you know, it's kind of like the internet. If you want to go, I mean, yeah. you read it on the internet, and, and you believe it's true. It must you be know? true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's on the internet. <laughs> oh, brother. I mean, it's a shame, but that's what, what it happened. It is, yes, uh, unfortunately, yes, yes. Yeah, we actually have a break coming up, I believe, but 
trying to, it should have been here now. Kind of messed up today, uh, Raymond. I apologize for that. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, but anyways, um, let me get onto that for a second. Did you uh, manage to uh, hear any of the uh, sweat lodge stuff we were talking about? Uh, just, just briefly, yes. And, and I, I thought, you know, it was kind of a shame to, to damn the whole New Age movement just Thank because of, of one guy who was an idiot in trying to run a sweat lodge. Thank you. That's what I was getting across. But, is but that this, this guy is a very rich idiot, though. He's the doesn't one who, matter. He's, the one uh, who he's the rich or poor. I mean, he's an idiot. Obviously, he doesn't know how to, to run a sweat lodge. He, he, he obviously... It, it was it was com, a complete farce from the sound of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you don't know, you know exactly what you're doing, or if you don't have the experience, and you're just saying, "Hey, I'm going to start a sweat lodge." Right. Um, you can't. You're not going to have any guarantee as to the safety of anybody there. You, you should have some sort of medical supervision too for something like that. Right. Well, do you believe that that that, that type of uh, uh, treatment or whatever should be um, certified or? I think there should be some sort of regulation, quite honestly. Um, the, the word certification is, is sort of thrown around a little too much, I think, these days. Because who's going but, to be the one to certify anyway? E exactly, and, yes. And um, anyways, I've been told that certified means to, to be uh, certified as crazy in, in the U.K. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it does actually, yes, yes. Generally, if you, if you use that term, that's what it's thought you're, you're Certifiable. meaning. Certifiable. Yep. <laughs> Well, I don't look, think we're going to take a break, so I, I do have a question I, from the chat room on Pararax that I'd like to uh, ask you, and I was holding until after the break, but since uh, I have no clue what's going on, I will ask. Okay. <laughs> um, basically, uh, they're asking, uh, what is your opinion on the popularity of the paranormal in today's culture, uh, i.e. television shows, right. uh, increasing books, like Ghost Chronicles, by the way, uh, which is vampires, etc. Yeah, um, I, I think it's it's a good thing uh, generally because it makes people more aware of of what is happening. Uh, we spoke right at the beginning beginning about people being afraid of ghosts because they didn't know what they were or what it was all about. And I said that the more you you learn, the more you, you investigate, the less you're likely to be afraid. Well, I think with this, the whole paranormal field. The more people read about it, the more they investigate it, the less they're going to be um, worried about it, afraid of it, the more they're going to inquire about it. The more they inquire, the more they investigate, the more we all learn about it. Um, the trouble is, again, as, as you mentioned just a moment ago, about the Internet, just about anything that appears on the Internet, some people think is, is, is gospel truth. But anybody can put up anything on the Internet, and it, it doesn't necessarily bear any relationship to the truth. So it's, it's difficult to sort out the, the wheat from the chaff. Um, but with the paranormal, with so many ghost clubs, ghost societies, investigating teams, uh, we're bound to get some good out of it. And as I say, if it just in, inspires people to read about it, to, to look into things, then generally I think it's a good thing. Right, I, I agree too. Now, um, do you watch any of the, or have you seen this? That I should say, any of the paranormal shows that are on TV? I've seen a couple, but uh, not more than a couple of episodes, <laughs> because right. I, I'm not very impressed with most of them. Okay, now the the idea of a lot of them is to try to find. 
scientific uh, proof. I mean, it seems more especially, I mean, I was talking with uh, Richard Felix uh, and Ghost Chronicles International uh, about the UK where, where there seems to be less of the, the stress on the scientific end of it, more on the uh, spiritual end of it, whereas the, the United States tends to be more into the scientific and rather less of the spiritual. I think there's, there's um, uh, a lot of the, the scientific in, in both countries on a lower level, but what you see on TV, unfortunately, the people are trying to, to come up to TV standards, if I can use that word, insofar as there's got to be a certain entertainment value. Right. Uh, if, it, if it's just straightforward scientific investigation, it's going to be dull as heck for, for most people, and it's not going to be good television. So they've got to, right, you know, yeah. pretend to be frightened out of their wits or somebody says, oh, I hear a noise, and oh, yes, I hear a noise, but, but nobody else hears a noise. Uh, they've got to do this to, to give it some excitement for, for the sake of being on television. So it's not really what we see on, presented on television is not the best of the scientific investigations of the paranormal. Exactly. I mean, there had been some issues with some of the shows, in fact, and um, about and I'm just not going to go into naming, but certain psychics or mediums being called frauds right. um, because of but some sort of setup. But that's also on the scientific end, too, where they well, duplicated it. Uh, exactly, you know, and duplicated it. But then again, you know, then you'll speak with someone on the outskirts of it, you know, who may be involved in that show, and they, they come across and basically state the same thing, like, hey, this is a entertainment show, and when you set up and you have all the time invested with your cameras and the men and right. you get on site... And You've got medium, to produce something. Yeah, and the medium's not picking anything up. Right. You know, sometimes they're looking for something that's not there, literally. Yeah, yes. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard to be the, sit there and judge what someone's doing when they're under that sort of pressure. Right, right. You know, this, this is the same with, um, with any sort of, sort of medium or, or psychic, for that matter. You know, if you're, you're paying money for a reading, then the person has got to produce. And if they're not feeling well, they're just not making any connection or whatever, they've still got to produce in order to, to uh, meet the, the money that's, that's being paid. So. Yeah. Now, I will say, I mean, I'm not sure if you're aware that I'm also on the medium for the New England Ghost Project. You are? Uh-huh. I am. Great. Uh-huh. Uh, well, but Maureen, I, I will Maureen, respond Maureen to that. is also a trans, trans, trans medium. Well. Yes, very good, yeah. But the point is, is basically, I know what you're saying, um, at least for me, when I, you know, when we go out, and if I'm not picking anything up, you know, there are times some people will say, you know, oh, Maureen, you know, can we see you transmedium? I mean, uh-huh. it, can, you, can you do that? I'm like, uh, I hate to say it, but it's not like you can do it on cue. Exactly. It, it's, if it's not there, and the per- it it's really has to be the timing of it as well. It has to be the right moment. Right. Uh, the spirit wants to communicate at that time. Well, the energy is strong enough, and I'm feeling, to, you know, that connection when it happens. Right. So, so this is what we need. We need more people like yourself, Marlene, who will acknowledge when they're not able to make a connection, when they're not able to bring anything through, and say, "No, sorry, nothing here." Right. You, you know, know it, it, it's those who who feel that they've got to produce, and therefore they they produce something, and it, it, it it's fraudulent, basically. Right, and I know it, it's difficult. There are some people that will call me for private readings, and they'll say, you know, my, my uncle so-and-so wants to come through, and they want to, I want them to come through. I want to ask them a question. How do you do that? Yeah, you, you, know, you, you, you don't because you, you can't always make the connection that people want. I mean, a good example is um, John Edward, of course, who, who 
can be can be very very good. Now he was very very close indeed with his mother, and his mother died, and he couldn't wait for her to come through. But it was three years before she came through, and he made the connection. Mm-hmm. And you know anybody else would have, have made it up. Oh yes, she's come through, and I've, I've contacted her. But no, if if you're you're valid, if 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 you're you're authentic, then you acknowledge that you, you can't make the connection. Right. So you know it doesn't make always for happy people, but right. at least you're being honest. Exactly. Yeah. You know what's funny is uh, I've been doing paranormal investigating for what about twelve years now, uh-huh. and uh, I never. Think of it personally, whereas um, I never look at any people that I know that have died and try to make contact, and, or you know, even my spirit guides. I I don't want to know who they are. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of keep this this uh, uh, distance, I guess. Right. Low what profile. I do in in my personal life. Yes. Is, is that weird or? What? No, I I think that's very wise actually. Really. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Do you hear that, Maureen? I'm wise. <laughs> yes. Now, see, there's well, always a instance, first. Yeah. There's always a first, Raymond. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I remember uh, we did a uh, seminar on, um, I think, what was it called? Communicating, communicating with the Dead. Communicating with the Dead. Right. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was basically the old uh, practices of, like, automatic writing and, right. and, and, and uh, what, pendulum and that type uh, of dowsing. Yeah, dowsing. Right. Yep. And, yes. um, and, and during, the, it was, it was, this was at a uh, New Age store, the Circles of Wisdom in Andover, a great New Age store, by the way, uh-huh. if you're ever around this way, check it out. Um, so we were doing that, and um, Maureen was writing away, and everybody in the class had pretty much finished, and she was going away. So I put my hand on her shoulder to stop her, and all of a sudden she got like a jolt, you know, and her writing changed and everything else. Yes. And... Uh, finally, she stopped, and when it was over, she said to me, did your father die? Uh, she, didn't, she didn't know my father at all. Uh-huh. And I said, yeah. She said, did he die or a heart attack? I said, yeah. She said, he was here. And then I looked at what she wrote, and uh, it said, miss you, Ron. And uh-huh. that was the first time that my personal life had come crashing in on yes. my paranormal life. And, and wow. Yeah. It's like, you know, I... I was got a tear in my eye now, but <laughs> yeah. maybe that's why I don't do it. Maybe I, I, I just don't want that connection. Yeah, well, if you sometimes. have that distance, you know, yeah. sometimes you need the distance. Yes, yeah, sometimes it can be, be too close. Yeah. Um, yep. There's actually something I'd like to ask you about and, and actually mention to you because it's kind of cool. I opened your book, and it's so interesting to me. I, I opened it up, and it says Living Ghost mm-hmm. um, on Astral Body. Right. Right. So basically, oh, cool. someone you know, astral projecting, and someone seeing right. maybe the spirit of that person who's astral projecting. Correct. Right. Yes. Yes. Somebody who will uh, uh, see what they think is a ghost, and it actually isn't a ghost. It isn't a departed spirit. It's actually the the astral body of of someone very much alive who who happens to be the astral body happens to be there. Yeah. Well, very cool. You know why I'm saying this is because, of course, I have to share with you a little experiment that I was doing one night. Uh-huh. And uh, my poor husband, he's a saint because I scared the living crap out of him. Um, you know, oh, wait a minute. Who don't you scare the living crap okay, out sorry. of? Okay, sorry. Anyway. <laughs> but, no, I had been doing astral projection um, at that time for years, and we had probably been married a couple years, and I thought, you know, I had just finished a book that said, if you really want, you know, you're doing astral projection, if you, you know, really want someone to see you, you could make them see you by really focusing in on that person. Uh-huh. 
So I was laying in bed next to my husband, and I thought, yeah, this is a good time. I might as well try. So I was astral projecting. He was laying next to me, and he was reading a book or doing something. And, of course, now I'm, I'm kind of hovering. I'm looking at him, and I'm focusing, you know, see me. I'm, oh, I'm going to give him a kiss. I'm going to give him a kiss, right? I'm picturing him. All of a sudden, he just flies off the bed, and he's screaming to high heaven, right? Well, I kind of went right back. My body came out of it, and now I'm laughing hysterically because I'm like, "What's the matter?" He's like, "You don't, you don't understand. You don't understand." I saw this white fog of something right fluttering right in front of my face. Well, then I'm laughing even harder, and he's like, "What were you doing?" And he, I told him. I says, "Well," he goes, "You would, don't you dare." He said, "What were you doing?" So I told him. He was a little upset. He's like, "You're trying to kiss me. Don't ever try to kiss me that way again." <laughs> now well, here's you know coming from a man who doesn't believe in this stuff, right? Right, because he's very grounded. I think it's more fear based. I think he just doesn't. Yes. You know, he's afraid to kind of believe to see what's available out there. What's you know? What's uh, ab- absolutely, and and that that's that's a wonderful example of a a living ghost. I mean, if you had been say you'd been been away from home, you you were were somewhere else, uh, another town or something, and you did that and appeared to him like that, then yeah, that would be very much a living ghost. Yeah. And he would have thought I was probably past. Right, yes, it could be, if he, if he recognized you, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it would be a little tough to recognize That's you. interesting that you say that, because uh, Richard, uh, Felix, and I had a discussion on Ghost Chronicles International about two weeks ago, and he was talking about the high number of ghosts that are, are well, we're going to call them ghosts, but uh, that are people that are still alive. That, right. Yeah, they'll be in, like, have a... A plane crash going down, and when they the people will see them before they actually die. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I mentioned that in the book. As a matter of fact, there, there are a lot of cases like that. A lot of the cases like that happened during the war and and in in the war in Iraq and what have you. Uh, someone who is is um, in a very dangerous situation and appears to their their wife or, or loved one or, or whoever um, very briefly. Uh, because of of that fear of of death, right? Yeah. Now I, I'm wondering, do you think that that person knows they're going to die, or is it? It it's the fear of it. Uh, sometimes they do. I mean, obviously, in a, in a plane crash, if it's spiraling down, zooming down, or whatever, they they know there's there's no question about it. But sometimes in a war situation, there's just that tremendous fear of death that that that. that the thought that, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to live through this. So it, it can work both ways. Right. I mean, that's, I mean, that's really sad, actually. Yes, but, yes. And, of course, the, the number one sighting of spirits is what they call messenger spirits, and that right. is when someone has just died. Right. And uh, they come back either to uh, see that you're okay or to let, to let them know that you're, you're okay. Yeah. Well, do you ever think, too, that maybe, you know, because I know that in, in moments of pain, like severe pain, mm-hmm. your your body you almost seems, you, you tend to separate. Yes, yes. You know, it's as if your well, your spirit or whatever cannot handle that pain. Right. And so, you know, you get this almost outside your body feeling. Right, yes, yes. Um, or you're looking on or you're seeing what's going on because, you know, many times uh, right. that, yeah. that can happen. And so you kind of wonder. I mean, I've had girls that, you know, I've done readings, and um, a young spirit actually showed me the time when she passed, and she uh. literally got out of her body right as it happened. Right, yes. Um, you know, when she was showing how dis- she was shocked, but she was kind of furious with herself for being so foolish. And, you know, 
not thinking, but just it was everything kind of happened at once, and mm-hmm. it, was, it is. It's really sad, but and I think in some aspects it would bring peace to the person listening because they'd know that, that know that their child or their loved one didn't suffer at that moment. Absolutely, yes, yes. Yeah, this is the, the thing. I mean, death is, is not a, a painful experience. Pain, uh, death is the end of pain. Right. You know, once you've, you've actually died, then there is no pain. So it's good for um, those left behind to know that if you've been in agony for weeks, months, years even, that, that all that is over, that you're, you're now at peace. You know what was was really interesting? Uh, we, we do a, a, a Ghost Chronicles podcast too for uh, iTunes and uh, uh-huh. Ghost Village, and one of the most popular ones uh, we had was the uh, the time that I had a grief counselor on. Oh yes, uh, and she talked uh, many times about going to hospices where children were uh, dying from cancer. Yes, and they would see uh, past um, relatives. You know, mm-hmm. grandfathers that had died, or grandmothers, or, or siblings, and, and right. they weren't afraid. Right. Yes. 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 Uh, and, and of course, you you, you get uh, reports of this with de- near death experiences. Right. I mean, I at very young age, I had um, meningitis. Oh, mm-hmm. do I have to hear this again? I'm just going to say quickly. Oh. Whether you you say <laughs> yours, so please. Oh. But actually, the thing that really struck me the most, and what I remembered, was actually leaving my body, seeing it all. But mm-hmm. realizing that I had no pain, you yes. know, I felt lighter. There was no pain. Right. Um, you know, I was looking around, but when I got sucked back in my body, it started all over again. Right. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I can't say, oh, I saw the light because I didn't see the light. Mm-hmm. I went out, and I was more concerned with seeing my family. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. 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 That's now. Let me ask you this: Have you had a near-death experience? No, no, I haven't. Um, so do you feel cheated? Uh, but yeah, actually, I do feel cheated. Uh, about five years ago, I, I had open heart surgery. I, I had a five-way bypass, oh, and I uh, thought, now this this will be interesting because you know perhaps I'll I'll have, if not a near-death experience, perhaps I'll at least be able to hover over the top and watch the surgeons doing it and <laughs> what have you. And you know, I zonked out, and the next thing I knew, I was in the recovery room. I, I felt cheated. Yes, <laughs> that's because they did such a good job, though. Yes. <laughs> You know what's funny is is um, I, I believe I had two near death experiences. Uh, mm-hmm. Once when I had a pulmonary embolism, and then once when I had uh, um, a major bypass. Uh, but, but I don't know. It's it's so weird because how do you distinguish between that and you know the effects of like anesthesia and stuff? I mean that that's what always that's how I really got involved in looking for ghosts was because I had this near-death experience. I wanted to find out, was it real or was it just like the effects of drugs? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, first of all, it, it, it's real. If, if, you, um, if the heart stops, if, if it actually is death, then, then, it, then it's revived if, if you come back. So you know that, that you have, have done that there and back business. But whether what you encounter there, which I think is what you're asking, is is the result of being dead or whether it's the result of just hallucinogenics. Exactly. Yeah. um, I know it's difficult to say except that everybody who goes through this this near-death experience, whether it's under surgery or whether it's in other conditions, they all seem to have the same experiences. 
And if, uh, you know, the near-death experience is perhaps uh, from a drowning, perhaps perhaps they, they, they drown and they're hauled out uh, and somebody works on them long enough and brings them back, and yet they have that same experience. So obviously that's not from the anesthetic. So there are enough cases, I think, to show that, no, it, it's not, not a, an anesthetic thing. Okay. So, anyways, why did you write this booklet? That's probably a good question. Why did I? Yeah. Uh, because the publisher came to me and asked me. They, they decided they were going to do this new series of books called The Wiser Field Guide 2. And the first one was going to be on ghosts, so they asked me if I would do the first one for them. So I, I was happy to. And so what's so special about I mean, there are a million ghost books out there, including Ghost Chronicles. <laughs> yep, right. Well, well, as I say, they, they want to do a series. So the, the second one is on vampires. That's already out. And so there's going to be a whole series. So obviously to have a complete series, you've got to have one on, on ghosts. And they just decided to make that the first one. Okay. Now, let me ask you, You have you um, experimented with the, the, all the different forms of spirit communication, for instance? Uh, I think pretty much so, yes. In, in fact, if I can give myself a quick commercial here. You absolutely can. On, on um, a week on Sunday, which I think is the 25th, I shall be in Lilydale uh, at the uh, Church of the Living Spirit. I'll, I'll be doing a sermon in the morning service, but in the afternoon I'm doing a three-hour workshop on um, unusual forms of spirit communication. Really? Yep. Yeah. And, and like, like what, for instance? Well, um, for instance, the, the tarot. Now, the tarot is used as a psychic tool. Uh, it's very, very seldom used um, by, by spiritualists and by mediums, and yet it can be. Mm -hmm. uh, there are many things like that, so scrying or crystal gazing, if you like, uh, which very can cool. be, be used. So these are the, the things that I'm going to look at, things which aren't generally taken and used by spiritualists, but which can well be used that way. That, that's, that's really interesting that you say that, because on the 24th, I believe, which is a week from Saturday, uh -huh. we'll be in Salem, Massachusetts at the Hawthorne Hotel during a spirit communication workshop. Oh, great. It, 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 it will also be doing, uh, we'll also be doing various forms of communication. Uh -huh. Now, have you ever tried the psychomantium chamber? Uh, yes. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, I, I know Raymond Moody, and um, last year, I think it was last year, uh, I went to a weekend-long workshop with, with Raymond Moody um, on the Psychomantium, and uh, a absolutely fascinating workshop, yep. And did you have favorable experiences? Uh, yes. Um, it wasn't the sort of thing where I could really get into it because it was more a workshop on how to uh, conduct a psychomantium, how to create one. And although we had um, brief, there were probably, I think, 15 of us there. It was, was a restricted workshop. And although we each had a chance, a couple of chances actually to go into the psychomantium, Normally, if you're going through that whole experience, you pretty much need a weekend to yourself working on it, certainly a, a full day at it. Uh, but in the brief time, a couple of one-hour episodes in the Psychomantium, yes, I, I, I got a, a really, some really interesting experiences. Actually, Marmy, uh, first, before I w we 
you know, get cut off or anything, I do want to get your website out there, which is? is www.raybuckland.com. And I'd like to add that to my website, if you don't mind. By all means, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Maureen and I actually had an experience at the Psychomanthium Chamber uh, <laughs> at a conference we were doing out in North Adams at the Hooten Mansion, which is a haunted house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, we, we both went into the... Uh, uh, oh, wow, we've right, got a minute left, so we'll make this quick. But both, both of us went into this Psychomanthium Chamber together, and we did have an experience which mm-hmm. was quite interesting. Uh, we, we had like a spirit almost come out of a mirror at us. Yes. And uh, Maureen actually trans-channeled a uh, nasty little guy, which was interesting as well. Yeah, he had an attitude. But, <laughs> but anyways, Ray, we have to say goodbye to you, and I want to thank you so much for coming on. I, I don't yes, know where you've been you. all our, our lives, but you're a very well-versed uh, person. Uh, we'd love to have you on again and, and talk about some other stuff. By all means, thank you. I, I appreciate you having me here. And you have a great night now. Thank and you very you. much. Right. You're yeah, bye, yeah, bye, bye now. Bye now. Wow, that went quick. Oh, it, it definitely did. It was fun. He's a great guy. You know what? I, I think he's very well versed, and, and his book is is interesting. It's called uh, "The Wise Appeal Guide to Ghosts," and it's apparitions, spirits, spectral lights, and other hauntings histories. It's kind of a neat little thing. And I believe next week we have a very very special show coming up. We do. We it's do. an anniversary, right? We have a two-hour special, which will be really, really great. Uh, we will be doing our regular uh, one-hour show on uh, the regular time, and then we will be expanding. I will be with Jeff Belanger. We will have some of the top names in the paranormal will drop by to say hello because it's also Ghost Village's, oh, we're running out of Ghost Village's 10th anniversary, our 100th show. <laughs> Good night. God bless. And here's some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear these latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Beware.